not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships which, though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body, and sets on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and has been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Tonight we look into it. We pray that you would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So James uh, speaks extensively here about the tongue in these passages. I get the idea that there must have been some serious problems in the early church uh, when it came to the speech of people who claim to be Christians. Now I know that might be really hard for us to believe, um, but used to, Christians way, way back years ago, used to struggle with the things they said. They used to say things they shouldn't say. And so in this section here, we're gonna look at what James has to say about the tongue. Uh, some of it's gonna be enlightening and some of it's actually a little bit frightening as well. The first thing I want you to notice that he says is this. He says, though that those that can control their, their tongues prove to be spiritually mature. Those who can control their tongues prove to be spiritually mature. In verse 2, James admits that we all struggle with sin. He even includes himself. He says, in many things we offend all. Now, James, he isn't preaching sinless perfectionism here. He's talking basic Christianity. James says that if a person offends not in word, he says that person is a perfect person and they're able to bridle their whole body. That word uh, perfect means mature. It means complete. And as I mentioned, James isn't talking about perfectionism here. That's why he begins by saying we all stumble. James is saying that a person that has the ability to control their tongue, he's not saying that person's perfect, but what he's saying is the perfect person who has the ability to control their tongue proves that they're a spiritually mature person. Now, now because the tongue is the most difficult thing for us to get a hold of, if a person has conquered their tongue, they will have conquered those other areas of sin in their life. Have you ever noticed that in your life? You know, maybe you've uh, you haven't drank a beer in years, uh, but has it been years since you gossiped? You've been faithful to your spouse for decades, but how long has it been since you complained? You haven't stolen anything for a really long time, but how often do we criticize? You know, we can be saved for years having defeated temptation upon temptation and all of these sins in our lives, but the tongue, no matter where you are, seems to give us all a problem. And what we need to understand is that the tongue really is the most revealing thing about where we are in our spiritual life. It says far more about us than we want to admit. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 37, that by your tongue, you're justified or you're condemned. So it doesn't matter how long you've been faithful to your spouse or how long you haven't stole something for or how long it's been since you gotten drunk. If you can't control your tongue, James says, there's still some serious spiritual maturing that needs to take place in your life. 
And what James is teaching us is that the words that we speak as Christians should be of utmost importance to us. We should be concerned about what we say. If we could get to a place in our lives where we have a sanctified tongue, then we're going to be the mature believer that Christ has called us to be. And that's why James says so much about the tongue in this little book here. So he says, first of all, the person who has tamed their tongue, the person who has control over what they say, this is a spiritually mature person. Now, the next thing he says here is he says the tongue controls the rest of our body. The tongue controls the rest of our body. That's what he says in verses 3 and 4. And James gives the example of two very large things that are controlled by very small things. He says the horse is controlled by a bit in its mouth and the ship is controlled by a helm. The bit placed in the horse's mouth, much like the tongue is, controls the head wherever the head goes that's where the horse goes the body follows and then the helm that controls the rudder and the rudder is very small when you can compare the size of the rudder to the size of the ship but that small rudder determines the direction that the ship is going so just as the tongue determines the direction that that horse is going because you know it's in it's or the bridle because it's in its mouth that helm determines the direction that the ship is going so what is his point? His point is that the tongue is a very small thing, but this very small thing controls the direction of your spiritual life. And the words we speak have a great influence over us as individuals. You know, we, we often think, well, my words, they really only affect other people. But what we need to understand is that our words do affect us as well. Look at verse 6. James says, our tongue sets on fire the course of nature. In other words, the way we speak determines the course of our life. If we choose to speak unkind words about a person, you know what will happen? We'll like that person less. If we keep speaking unkind words about a specific individual, there's no way we're going to overcome our bitterness that we might have toward that individual. If we choose to complain, do we get more content about our circumstances when we choose to complain about our circumstances? No. If we choose to complain, we just get more discontent about the circumstances we're in. If we choose to gossip, do we all of a sudden stop being a busybody because we're gossiping? No. If we choose to gossip, we'll find ourselves becoming more of a busybody. If we choose to use crude and profane language, does that help our thought life? Do we not think about crude and profane things then? No. When we choose to use crude and profane language, we're going to think about crude and profane things more often. If we choose to explode in an angry tirade of words, we get angrier. So our words affect the direction of our life. You know what the world says? The world says, well, you just need to let your thoughts go. Just let your feelings flow out of you. And they believe that, you know, if you'll just kind of let this happen, that that releases the tension, releases all the pressure on the inside of you, and then you'll feel better. But in reality, it only reinforces the unhealthy attitudes inside of us that are there already. And because not only are we feeling those things now, now we're actually saying those things and we're hearing those things. And we all know that if we hear something, it's more likely to be, to, for us to accept it as something that's true, even if it's not something that's true. 
the more we hear ourselves say ungodly things, the more we're going to justify those ungodly things. But on the other hand, if, if we refuse to use our tongue in a sinful way, we're helping ourselves. We're training our minds to recognize sinful thoughts, refusing to entertain those sinful thoughts. We're, we're slaying those things before they ever even come out of us. And contrary to popular belief, we don't get rid of the sin in our life by venting. That's not how we do it. We don't let it out when we let it out. Because the words are actually the result of a heart problem. And the heart problem is still there. And it's even compounded when we begin to speak in an ungodly way. We let it out. How? Well, we let it out by refusing to indulge in it, by confessing the desire to do it to God, by asking God to forgive us and empower us to overcome this attitude. So if we want to get control of our spiritual lives, we have to start by getting control of our tongue. Now notice that James talks about the fierce winds blowing against the ship in verse 4. Yet that ship was controlled by that small rudder. The fierce winds of trials, they're going to blow your way. And during this time when trials come your way, you're, you're going to be tempted to sin with your tongue. And if you do that, it's like the ship that's blown off course by the wind. Your spiritual life, circumstances came your way, all of these trials like winds are blowing against you, and if you allow it, what happens is you get off course in your spiritual life. But if you control your words... Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you stay on course. Despite this spiritual storm that might come your way, however, may fierce it, however fierce it may be, when you refuse to use ungodly language, when you refuse to say ungodly things, you're staying on that course. The course, we could call it the narrow road. That's what we could call it. Now look at the next thing James says here. James says the tongue can do a lot of damage. Look at verses 5 and 6. There's a lot there uh, about the tongue. He says, Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things, but behold how great a matter a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. So you see there, there's a whole lot right there about the tongue. And I want us to break it down. First thing I want you to see is he says the tongue boasts. James says, you know, for a little guy, he talks a big talk. He says he's little, but man, he, he boasts. He talks a big talk. The, the tongue is a very small part of our body. Uh, but your tongue is the part that boasts. It's the part that brags. You know, the sinful nature always wants to promote itself. But the problem is when we promote ourselves, we're sending the wrong message. When we promote ourselves, we're saying, well, I'm better than them. I'm better than other people. And that's not consistent with a Christ-like attitude. Philippians 2, 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. When we promote ourselves, we are demoting others. Just automatically. When we promote ourselves, we're demoting others. Proverbs 27, 2 says, Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. And so if we're in the habit of boasting, then we need to get a hold of our tongue. 
we may not realize it, but we're hurting other people because we're giving the appearance that we're better than other people. So one of the ways that we can sin with our tongue is by boasting. The next thing he says there is he says the tongue is a fire. Now fire is known for its ability to spread and destroy like nothing else. If fire destroys quickly, fire spreads quickly, and, and, and it's the same way with your words. Your words spread quickly and your words destroy quickly. Just as one match can destroy an entire home or one cigarette can destroy thousands of acres of woodlands, one word can destroy. One word can destroy a marriage. One word can cause someone to take their own life. One word can cause someone to quit their job or give up on some great thing they were pursuing. And you know, the thing about a fire is this. You can't unstart a fire. Once you start a fire, it's there. And in the same way, you can't take your words back. Once your words are spoken, they're like a fire. That They'll spread damage far more quickly than you could ever imagine. And so he says here, he says that their tongue, your tongue is like a fire. And then he says, it's a world of iniquity. It's a world of iniquity. In other words, it has the ability to sin in an innumerable amount of ways. That's what he means. He says your tongue is a world of iniquity. What does that mean? That means that your tongue has the ability to sin in a world of ways, an innumerable amount of ways. The depths of sin that your tongue can reach are unknown. Think about Hitler. Hitler used his tongue to, in, in his speeches to spread lies and propaganda about the Jewish race. And as a result, some of the most horrendous things ever imagined were done to the Jewish people. Uh, the tongue can start an argument, but the tongue can also start a war. And if you think about it, almost every sin committed involves the tongue. It's a world of iniquity in itself. In fact, think about it this way. If you had no arms or legs and you are confined to a hospital bed for your entire life, you could still sin dreadfully because you have a tongue. No arms, no legs, you're in a hospital bed for the rest of your life, but you could still sin drastically because you have a tongue. Your tongue is all you need to become a complete infidel. So it's a world of iniquity. And then he says, the tongue defiles the entire body. The tongue defiles the entire body. I have a Bible dictionary. Um, I've had it since 1996. And um, I found it in my grandmother's home. Um, after I got saved and started studying the Bible, I found it in, in, my, in my grandmother's home. And it's on my shelf right now, in fact. Uh, and my grandmother was a very heavy smoker. Um, her house just reeked of cigarette smoke if, if you went in it. Everything in that house smelled like smoke. And so that was in 1996. So you're looking at 20, 24 years ago. So I can go get that book right now and I can open it up and I can sniff the pages and they still smell like smoke. Every time I open that book when I still use it, I can still smell the smoke in that book. 24 years later, I can still smell the smoke. 
the smoke from the little fire on the end of her cigarette contaminated everything in that house. So that's the point James is making here. So it is with our tongue. You know, we can appear to be pretty righteous. We can have good deeds. We can forsake sinful habits. But if we sin with our tongue, it defiles everything in our life. We reek with the smell of smoke, so to speak. We may appear to be righteous, but when people get close enough to us, they hear the things we say, and they understand this person is defiled. This person reeks. And so for all of those reasons, we see that the tongue can cause a lot of damage. It damages us as well as the people that we come into contact with. Now notice next that the tongue is a tool that's used by Satan. The tongue is a tool that's used by Satan. James says it is set on fire by hell. Now hell here, James uses it as a synonym for Satan. Because it's where Satan and his demons and uh, all the unredeemed are, are going to spend eternity. Hell will be full of the most despicable sins that you could ever imagine. Now, Satan here, according to what James is saying, is the one that sets our tongues on fire. Preparing our tongues to bring death. Preparing our tongues to bring destruction. What does that mean? That means that Satan loves gossip. Satan loves false doctrine. Satan loves crude and profane language. Satan loves unjust criticism. Satan loves ungodly sarcasm. Satan knows the power of words, and he uses the power of words to confuse people and to even have people condemned. And he inspires people to say evil things. You see, Satan knows that we have a hard time controlling our tongue. And so Satan sets forth to control our tongue. And even the believer can give his or her tongue over to the power of the devil if he's not careful. In verses 7 and 8, James tells us that in our own power, we can't tame the tongue. And so what's implied there? What's implied there is we don't have a hold of our tongue The devil's using the words we speak. He's doing ungodly things. And and he says, we, man, and he says, you in your own power. He says, you can't tame your tongue. And he mentions some things that people can tame. Notice, he says that man can tame the animal kingdom. He says, "We we can tame animals. We can tame birds. We can tame snakes. We can tame fish. We can tame these things. It's amazing that even all these thousands of years ago, they were taming animals even back then. I remember when we went to SeaWorld one time. We went to SeaWorld and watched these killer whales. I mean, these things were huge. I don't know how much they weighed. They weighed a lot, but they were huge. These killer whales. And these killer whales were obeying men, and they were obeying women that weighed less than 200 pounds. Now, those whales could have swallowed them up in one bite, one gulp, just swallowed them up. But these huge beasts that weighed tons, I'm assuming, were tamed by these folks that weighed less than 200 pounds. No matter how wild or how large, humans can tame animals. But James tells us that there's something that humans can't tame. 
And what they can't tame is the tongue. As small as it is, and, and don't miss the contrast here, big animals we can tame. Small tongue we can't tame. And he said, in fact, it's impossible for man to tame. James says the tongue is unruly. You know what that word means? That word means something that can't be restrained. The word pictures a wild animal thrashing about as you seek to restrain it. I get the idea of sometimes when I catch a catfish, catch one of them big catfish and you put it in the boat and you try to grab it and it just starts flipping and flopping and everyone, you're trying to get it and, and you can't, it's unruly. And that's what that word means. And James says, not only is it unruly, it's flopping around, you're trying to tame it and it's hard to get a hold of, but he says it's full of deadly poison. Now what's the poison? Well, the poison is the words. The poison is the words that people are speaking. Words have the power to hurt. Words have the power to cripple. Words have the power to even kill. And the ungodly words we speak are like poison injected into our hearers. And by the way, if you read the Psalms in the Old Testament, you'll see that a lot, where the psalmist will often talk about um, words being like poison or being like weapons that, that kill and maim and hurt people. And so we understand that it's a dangerous thing. You know, you get a you get a one of them fish in there, and he's flopping all around, moving all around. That that sucker will fin you. You get you get a, a grab a hold of a cat, try to give a cat a bath, and it starts jumping around, and all what happens? You're going to get all hurt. You're going to get scratched up. Same thing. Grab a dog by the ears. What is he going to do? He's going to jump around, thrash. He's going to be unruly. And it's the same picture that he's giving here. He's like you're you're. Your tongue is like an animal you're trying to tame, and you can't tame it. And, and when we try to restrain our tongue in our own power, what is it going to do? Well, it's just going to thrash about wildly, and, and it's going to slip out. You know, grab your tongue and, and then try to, just, try to just pull it back in your mouth. You can do it. You know why you can grab your tongue and pull it back in your mouth? Because it's a slippery thing, man. And I think that's, a, that's symbolic. It's hard spiritually to get a hold of your tongue, to get a hold of the words you speak. Now, that doesn't mean, well, you just throw in the towel. You say, well, if it's impossible, James says, no man can tame the tongue. So what does that mean? Does that mean well, we don't do anything? No. No man can tame the tongue. But God can tame the tongue. God can tame it. And how does he tame it? Well, the first way he tames it is, is when you are saved. When you come to Christ, you're born again. You have a, a new heart. Your heart is completely changed. And because your heart is connected to your tongue, your speech changes. Now, the flesh battles. The flesh tries to get power over the tongue. But as Christians, we have to remember, the Spirit of God is greater. You know, one of the first things you'll notice when a person gets saved one of the first things you'll notice is a change in their speech. If a person gets genuinely saved, one of the first things you'll notice is the words they speak. That doesn't mean the saved person has more willpower than the unsaved person. It just simply means the saved person's been given a new nature, been given a new heart, and his speech is now the result of that new heart. And when we listen to people and we hear people saying ungodly things, you know what? We should, uh, we should pity those people. 
We, we should really pity those people because in their mouth, you know what they got? They got a wild animal. They got a, an animal they can't tame. That they, they can't control it. it. It's spreading poison. And you know, people say, well, you know, I've just always talked like this. I've just always said these words. I've just always, I've always done that. And, and I don't doubt that you have, but, but I tell you, when you give your life to Christ, when God gives you a brand new heart, we're not talking about willpower anymore. We're talking about nature. Your nature is changed. And when your nature is changed, there should be a degree, a significant degree, of change in the words that you speak. I'm not saying you're never going to mess up. I'm not saying you're not going to say things you shouldn't. But what I'm saying is there will be a noticeable difference in the way you speak because God tames the tongue. God changes the nature of the person who comes to Him. Now, that t- tongue, the tongue of a lost person, spread and poison. Tongue of a person who's come to know Christ but isn't isn't maturing in their faith, isn't isn't giving that to God, what is it doing? Well, it's corrupting their life and it's corrupting the lives of the people around them. And sometimes you can listen to a person and say, Man, you need Christ. You, you need to be saved. And then sometimes you can listen to a person and say, Man, you, you need to really rethink what you're saying. Some of these things you're saying are ungodly and unkind. But the bottom line is. Whenever we hear ourselves speaking these ungodly things, we need to be reminded that we need the one who never spoke an unkind word. We need the one who never spoke a profane word. We need the one who never gossiped. We need the one who never lied. We need Christ. And it's only by Christ that our tongue can be tamed and that our speech can be seasoned with the grace of God. Only by Him. And so... You say, man, I can't get a hold of my tongue. I cuss like a sailor. I say all these ungodly things. Well, maybe you need to be saved, friend. You need God to change your heart. You need God to do a work in your life. And then you say, well, I have been saved. I've seen a marked difference in the way that I speak, but I'm struggling about saying some of these things, using my tongue for ungodly reasons and in ungodly ways. Well, you need to just come to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm not doing a great job with this. I need you to help me. I need you to help me tame my tongue. And just remember, you can't do it in the power of the flesh. You can't do it in the power of the flesh. It's only through the power of the Spirit of God that you'll ever be able to tame your tongue. And so James here tells us, hey, get that tongue tamed, and if you get that tongue tamed, you'll be spiritually mature. You will be spiritually mature. Amen? What a blessing. Nice little section of Scripture right there.